If you have your Bible with you, can you turn with me to Acts chapter 14? So this morning we're going to look at eldership in the New Testament because we have a really big deal coming up next week. A week from today we're going to set in Dennis Gates as elder. Him and his wife will be eldering together. Um, Usually what I would do is, is go over the qualifications for being an elder. And I've done that several times over the years. And so you can either go on our website and hear some of those sermons, or you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, which has all the qualifications for deacons and elders all laid down, so you can study that out. And if you have any questions, by all means, ask me. For the last month, we've been asked for questions or concerns with either Angie or Dennis, and uh, has been zero. So that's kind of good that there's so much confidence here in the body of us um, setting them in as elders. So today, instead of talking about qualifications, I really want to talk about calling, anointing, and the honoring of the office. Because sometimes, I mean, we can read in Timothy, and it's in a couple of other places too. There's three clear places, the job description qualification for elders. But there's, there's not so much lined out, listed out, how we should treat elders or how the, the interaction between us and elders should be. So today I thought I would just try to explain some of that and what I really believe the New Testament teaches and try to prepare us for a place. I mean, obviously our church is growing. We're going forward. And so the foundation has to be rock solid. Otherwise, what God builds on this is just going to crumble. And so the foundation to any church is the elders. The eldership is it, the moment when a church goes from being a group of people to a church, a New Testament church, where Paul and his other guys that worked with Paul start calling it from a group of disciples, he makes a difference, starts calling them a church, is after elders are set in place. If you study the whole book of Acts, you'll see they encourage, they preach, they teach to the disciples. They encourage the disciples. But after they set in elders in that place from then on, it's the church of Iconium. It's the church of Colossus. It's the church of. It becomes a church because the eldership in place over that group of disciples. Amen? Because sometimes in the culture we live in, the time we live in, if a guy goes out and gets a few friends and they gather any place, his house or anywhere else, they can start calling it a church. And scripturally, there should be a plurality of eldership if you're going to scripturally call that group of disciples a church. Just saying. So, I also want to just talk about how we should honor elders. So, the elders in the New Testament, uh, there's only two offices in the church for authority. Any New Testament church, there's only two offices for authority. It's deacons and elders. That's it. Now, there's lots of fancy titles nowadays, right? You, I mean, all of us have heard, all, you name it, there's that many titles out there. You just won't find it scripturally. You have the elders who are going to be in prayer and in the word, bringing uh, the gospel, teaching, and equipping the saints. And you're going to have the deacons taking care of all the other, like, uh, physical needs of the body and taking care of the building. you got deacons and you got elders, and that's really the only two. Now, you, if you've been to Africa or even, like, Central America, South America, some of those places, they use the term bishop quite often. And like in Nigeria, if you're a bishop, you are above pastors. You are above elders. You're above everybody. There's, there's deacons, there's elders, there's pastors, and then there's this bishop. And that's just not scripturally right. You will not find that in the scriptures. In fact, the word 
E-P-I-K-O-P-O-S, epikopos, I probably mangled that really bad. Uh, that word is used for, it's translated into elders, it's translated into bishop, and it's translated into overseer. So sometimes people will take that title overseer and say, oh, see, now I oversee the elders. I oversee that region. I oversee, I have all the clout to come in and tell all you guys what to do, when you should do it, whether you should do it or not. That's just not scriptural. Scripturally, all the authority in a local church rests in the eldership. Now, we bring in other gifts. We're going to continue to bring in other gifts from local churches, even translocal churches. They are equipping gifts. They come in and train us up so that we can do the work of the ministry. That's why we bring them in. Uh, it's not a Billy Graham thing. Billy Graham would come in, and he'd do all the evangelizing, and he would leave. I want to bring evangelists in to train us to evangelize so when the evangelist leaves, we still keep evangelizing. Amen? But if evangelists can't come in and go, okay, start now. You guys are all going to go door to door for three hours a week, no matter what. From now on, you guys are going to use this five-question method for leading someone to the Lord. They can't do that. They can come in and go, okay, elders, this is what I'd like to talk about. You said you have a need. I'm just using evangelizing. You could use evangelizing. You could use prophetic. You could use various things. I'm just using evangelizing as an example. So we would say, you know what, uh, Chris, we see that you have a real gift for evangelization. Could you come in and encourage us how you do it in your life and give us some tools how we could do it? So Chris would come in and he would teach according to what we asked him to do. He can't come in and boss us around and tell us, no, this is what I'm going to teach on because this is what God told me. That's, that'd be totally wrong. It's up to the elders, the overseers, the, the shepherds of the sheep, to take care, to protect the flock, and to make sure that it's a nice, good, healthy diet. So uh, there's only two offices. You got the deacons, you got the elders. Again, if you're wondering what the qualifications are for these, for both offices, they're really, really similar. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3. It has a clear list of all those things. So um, another thing that's overused um, is... You go to most churches, and this is how I've been treated for almost 20 years, and I don't believe this. The pastor's up here, and then the elders are here, and then the deacons are down here. That's just not scripturally right. All the elders are equal in any New Testament church. Amen. Having said that, you have to put a little comma there, but God always puts a set man among the eldership. So if you're serving on a ship, there's one guy that's ultimately the helmsman that says, this is our direction. Now, we all sail the ship, and all of our jobs are equally important, but there has to be one guy that's saying, no, this is the direction we're going. Otherwise, you're just going to go around in circles and go crazy. But I'm the set man, I'm the helmsman at New Hall Christian Fellowship, but I am spiritually, authoritatively equal with Andy and soon-to-be Dennis. Is that clear? It, it's very different from church culture. Church culture says, I'm the pastor, none of you are. I'm the boss, I'll tell you what you need to think, I'll tell you what you need to do, I'll tell you how often you need to do it. That's not scripture. That is totally not scripture. I had a conversation just this week with someone had a question about a scriptural principle, and at the end of it I said, look, it just, just to be crystal clear, I don't tell people what they should do or shouldn't do. I can answer questions about the Bible, then it's up to you to decide how you want to live. Amen? That's what our job as elders are to, do, to be. 
So the word pastor, it depends on what version, whether you do King James, New King James, Niv, there's like 25 versions nowadays. But most of them, you only find the word pastor one time in the whole New Testament, one time. Some of them have as much as two or three. Some, the New King James or the King James doesn't have pastor in it at all. And it says pastors, the, the plural, one time. Depending on what version you look at, you'll find the word shepherds at least 18 to 27 times. And so a pastor is an elder that's pastoring the flock, who's shepherding the flock. The three of us will work together to shepherd the flock. My title happens to be pastor because I'm doing most of the care. But that's the only reason. The title doesn't define me. My role defines the title. So I know I'm covering a lot of ground, but I'm really just trying to get you guys to think a different way. Most people think I come to church and I go to the pastor for everything. He'll do everything for me. He's the guy, the answer man. He's the door to the money. He's the door to the resources. He's everything. And that's just not true. That's not how we want to do it here. We are a plurality of elders, all of us co-shepherding, all of you and everything going on here. So are you at Acts chapter 14? Skip down to verse 21. This is talking about Paul and his um, apostolic team that was going through the different region, preaching the gospel, setting up churches. So verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church... And prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is a snapshot picture of this apostolic team setting elders in place. It's a snapshot picture of what we're going to do next week. Because next week we're going to call up Dennis and Angie. They're going to come up here in the front. I have some things I want them just to make declarations of what they believe and what we can expect from them. Then I'm going to have some declaration for us as a family, what we believe and what we're going to do in in conjunction and partnership with them as they elder. We're going to lay hands on them and we're going to set them apart to God for the service he's called them to do, just like the scriptures. Do you know many churches ask for volunteers? Oh, you want to be an elder for six months? Awesome. Just sign right here. Next meeting is Tuesday at 6.30 at night. Wait a second. What? Oh, and when you're done with that six months, if you want, you can volunteer as a deacon. And then you can come back as an elder or just quit all of it altogether. That is so not scriptural. That is so not scriptural. Deacons, uh, deacons are submitted by the group. By the way, we're putting in some new deacons just next month too, so we'll be able to do that, see this picture then too. But deacons, I asked for a, a volunteer list from everybody in the congregation who you guys thought would make great deacons. And so we got the list of those guys. Me and Andy and our wives went through and prayed over and we're like, okay, we think these people would really be good deacons. They would qualify as deacons. We went to them, asked them to pray about it. Some of them said, no, I don't, I don't think I should be a deacon yet. I'm working through some stuff. Okay, awesome, no problem. Others said, yes, let's do it. Those people we are going to put in next month. That's deacon, that's so different than elders. Deacons, we, we ask what your ideas are, 
We basically go, yeah, that seems right with us. It seems right with them. Let's go for it. Eldership comes from the top down. Eldership comes from God Almighty first off. We're not going to go and try to pick someone, a man, a couple to be elders, and then see if we can't get God to bless them. What we believe is God has called Dennis and Angie to help elder this church, and we're going to agree with God on this. It's way different. All of us as Christians, born-again Christians, all of us should be volunteers. All of us should be volunteering all over the place. I thank you. <laughs> Seriously, all, all Christians should just be volunteers. The Bible says in the day of God's power, his people shall be volunteers. We pray for power in the church all the time. We can show God's power in the church by volunteering. That is really simple. So anybody can volunteer. Not anybody can be called of God to be an elder. It's a calling of God. It's an appointment. It's an anointing from God and a calling on a man and on his wife. So we're going to agree with God for what he's called these, this couple to do, and we're going to do all we can to help them be successful in it. Man. Um, I know some of this stuff is really new, so I'm trying to make sure that I'm not skipping over some of my notes. So I got two big points. This is kind of the lead up. I've got two big points for today. If you're taking notes. Number one, elders are a big deal. <laughs> and some of this is tongue in cheek. Some of this, I, I know it's kind of weird. I'm an elder, so I'm talking about me and a couple other guys, soon to be a couple other guys, but it doesn't make it any less truthful. And sometimes I think it's hard to preach about certain things because it, it might make me look good and that's not what I'm after. What I want is truth in the house. I want us to build this foundation of what the Bible says. So if I'm talking about me some, that's great. But if it helps you, think about Andy and Dennis as we go forward and how the three of us are going to work going forward. So elders are a big deal. When we set them in office next week, we're going to call them up front, lay hands on them. And by laying hands on them, this shows three things. It's not just some neat church thing that people lay hands on. When the apostles did the first elders in all these churches and they laid hands on them, that was a big deal. Now we're kind of used to it over, we've heard it so many times over all the years, but they were publicly accepting them to this office. I mean, you think about what was going on then and all the persecution and all the different stuff and all the strife for these guys to go over and lay hands on someone and says, we accept these guys and we're 100% with them. That cuts through the chase of who said what and who did this. Some churches vote elders in. Well, that's not a popularity thing. All of us together still aren't as important as God Almighty. God's always the most important person in the room. I want to go by what he wants. So when we lay hands on Dennis and Angie next week, we're going to be saying, God, I totally 100% agree with you and what you're doing in their life. We're publicly committing them to God for this calling. And, and listen to this wording. We are transmitting a portion of our own spiritual grace and wisdom for this office. Do you ever think about when, when people lay hands in faith for healing, for water baptism, for being filled with the Holy Ghost, for setting them in in different offices? When we lay hands on, when I lay hands on someone, I'm literally closing my eyes and I am trying to imagine, I'm trying to focus on the faith I have in God going through me, transmitting into them for whatever we're praying for. 
It's the exercise of faith. Can you see anything? No, you don't see anything. It's not a cartoon. It's not a movie. You're not going to see blue waves. Nope. But I really do believe that I'm imparting something that I have encountered with God on these last 30 years that I can pray for, and God will take a little bit what I've had, what I've experienced from him, and impart it onto them. They are already called and anointed. I want more. Because the more successful they are, the more successful we are, the more successful we are. The success doesn't start from the bottom going up. The success starts from the top coming down. If the three of us can walk in step, the three couples, the three men, if we can be in unity, common goal, common heart, common mind, going forward in step and in unity, the Bible says in Psalm 133, he will command the blessing to come down. And it will be like when Aaron was anointed and they poured it on his head and then it came through his beard and then it went down through his robe, anointing from the top to the bottom. We want unity in us three couples more than anything else. We want to have one thought, one mind, one spirit, one goal, preferring one another over ourselves. Unity over everything. That's what we're trying to go for. When we set them in and we pray them in, that's part of what we're going for, folks. Unity in the house of the Lord. Commonness, one heartbeat, one thought, no matter what else. If you're upset, if there's anything wrong with anyone else, stop. Let's make sure we're all together. We're all in unity. Walking with clear heavens up and clear heavens towards each other. No static in between us. So elders are a big deal. Number two, how we treat elders is a big deal. Pretty complicated message today, amen? Elders are a big deal. How we treat them are a big deal. So this week... I'm asking for each and every person here to take some time out and pray and fast for Dennis and Angie Gates and for our church as a whole. Because this is what um, Luke wrote about Paul and his group out of Acts chapter 14. We just read this. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This week... In, in time before next Sunday, let's take even just one, one lunchtime, one breakfast, one dinner. Just find one time this week if you can. Don't eat the food. Get the Bible out. Just read the Bible a little bit and then pray for whatever you want. For Andy and Denise, excuse me, for Dennis and Angie. I was looking at Denise. <laughs> and for our church as a whole. Would you please do that? Can, I'm just asking as a personal favor. Would you please pray and fast? for the elders, for the eldership, and for our church going forward. So we got this foundation. We get to lay this thing down right. So number two, um, God has called Dennis to be an elder in this church. The church is God's plan of salvation for the world. Elders are the highest office of authority in the church. That means elders are really important and greatly loved by God. How we treat them matters. I'm going to say we because how I treat them matters. How we treat all the elders, it really, really matters. And again, because of church culture, not Bible culture, church culture, you have so many pseudo-church organizations that are preaching the gospel 
and they have a president and a vice president and a secretary and they have a board and that's how they run things and they buy stuff and they sell stuff and they give stuff away and they do it in Jesus' name and then they say that's preaching the gospel. It is a little bit. But Jesus didn't say just go preach the gospel. Jesus said go and make disciples. Disciples preach the gospel. People that just preach the gospel or just accept the gospel will not make disciples. You have to be discipled to make disciples. You can't get that in a business. You get that in church. Amen? This, this is all good. I'm just trying to be as black and white as I can because very few times did I preach this black and white over such important stuff. The gospel goes forth through the church of Jesus Christ. The New Testament church of Jesus Christ preaches the gospel, equipping disciples, making disciples. It's done through elders and deacons, according to my Bible. I'm just going by my Bible. I know you can look around the world. There's lots of great organizations doing a lot of great stuff worldwide. I'm not against them. I just know as an elder in a local church, I've been called to elder, to shepherd you guys, to care for you guys, and equip you to be healthy disciples, to go make disciples. That's my calling. That, that's what I have to do. So how we treat elders matters. We need to make every effort to pray for them and their families. Um, Dennis, and, excuse me, Andy and Denise and me and Jeanette could tell you dozens of stories when at key times in this church and in our life, our kids got sabotaged. Dozens of stories, not one or two. Dozens of stories. And it's horrible. And so when all hell's breaking loose at your house, you still have to come to church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How you doing? Good? Oh, I'm doing good too. And then you leave church, you go home and cry. And then you get yourself sorted out and you do some worship and pray and you get, you get your head screwed on back. I just want to ask you, please, as you're praying and fasting this week for them getting ordained, would you begin to start praying for all three couples on a regular basis? Five minutes a week, I'll take it. Ten minutes a day, yes, please. What, whatever that is, could you please make a habit to pray for us? And when you pray for us, pray for our kids, please. When you pray for our kids, pray for their kids, please. <laughs> Because the devil's strategic. He's intentional. He's limited. He is not all-powerful. He is. Amen. 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 Because there's been times when we were elders that, um, yeah, we just needed people to pray for us. And the great thing is, as we all know as Christians, when you pray for someone whose family's going through stuff, you don't know everything that's going on. It's easier to pray. Because when it's your family and you're neck deep in the pain, sometimes it's really hard to pray. So what she's saying is just stand in the gap. So please make an effort to pray for our family and their families. Number two, we have to show respect and honor for their service to us and their service to the Lord. And again, you would not know how many times any of us, some of us, all of us come in on a Sunday morning or a Friday night game night or a work day and all hell is breaking loose in our lives. But because we're elders, we can't just go, you know what, I'm just not going in today. I, I'm sleeping off. You know what, I'm just not going to go. We can't do that. It's not an option. We have been commissioned and called by God Almighty to be a shepherd here for the flock. So we're going to be here. Would you please encourage us? I know sometimes you have to bring hard things to us, like hard, you think might be hard questions or, or even complaints and concerns. Fine. Awesome. Yes, please. But could you 
Could you balance that out with encouragement, please? <laughs> because leadership in church is hard. It, it really is. Leadership anywhere is hard, but especially church, it's hard. And so if you could just make a point of it. Pray for us and encourage us, if you would please do that. Especially Dennis and Angie, because they're going to be new. They're going to be finding their sea legs. And from what we look on a Sunday morning, any meeting inside these four buildings, four walls, watching them, you're not going to see much change. I really don't think you'll see much change. But in their lives, there will be more contention because all kingdom ground is contended ground. And these guys are going to be taking more ground, which means they're going to be in a battle. So pray for them, encourage them. Man, shoot them an email, send them snail mail, buy them some chocolate, whatever you want to do to encourage them, just go for it. Um, so we need to make every effort to pray for our elders. We have to show them respect and honor for their service to us and to our Lord. We have to support them in all they ask us to do. And again, me standing up here, I'm telling you, you have to listen to me. Well, only in the fact that as part of a leadership team, as we try to do things here, would you please help support us? Because it's a small church, but guess what? It, it takes as much work for a small church as a big church in some aspects. You just have less people to help. And so if you, when you get a chance and you see us doing something, you see us getting ready to do something, we're planning something out, would you please help us? Because that's a huge encouragement. This one's a, a big one. I probably should have started with this one and then put it in two or three times. We must never make or receive an accusation against any elder without talking to that elder face-to-face. I don't think I have to explain anything. I just repeat it, though, because it's so big. If somebody's saying, Pastor Mike did this, or Andy said that, or I saw Dennis do this, go right to him. Hey, so-and-so said this. What's going on with that? Nope, that's wrong. I, that never happened. Okay. And then, that, that's the first half. So you go and check. If you have a problem with a brother, you go talk to that brother. After that, then you go back to the person that had the accusation about the elder and say, I don't know why you said that, but you owe them an apology because I talked to them. That's not true. That's the only way we can keep clean heavens, keep things clean and open, uncomplicated. Otherwise, we got to try to remember who said that and who said this. And then, well, that person said that and it wasn't true. And then that person said that and it wasn't true. But it makes you wonder, two people are saying it. It's just two wrong things. Could be total misunderstandings. But we have to work it through at the, the lowest level. I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it probably a thousand more times. If you have a problem with a brother, you go to the brother. Period. So if you have a problem with an elder, before you say it to anybody else in here, say it to the elder. Please. Just go up, ask the question. There's no question that you can't ask me that I wouldn't rather have you ask me that question than start talking to someone else and you're trying to figure something else because in misunderstandings and miscommunications is where the devil gets super active. Hey, did you hear this? And someone's standing over here hearing you say this. They mishear it and then they tell someone else and now we're off to the races. You know what I heard someone say? They said that, wait, what? Where did you get that? Well, did you go and ask Dennis? Oh, no, I didn't want to do that. Then don't talk about it. Goes for all of us too. If you have a problem with anybody else here, don't tell me about it. Go talk to them. Just go ask them a question. Don't make a statement. Hey, do, 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 no, no. 
was, is this correct when I heard you say this? Or I thought, this, just ask a question. It's the easiest way to clear out miscommunications. If you have a problem with a brother, go to that brother. And encouragement. Back to encouragement. Serving and leading God's people can be very difficult, and the elders live in the front lines. Make a decision right now to encourage all the elders and their wives and support them as they serve us. As the eldership is successful in their calling, so will our church be. The more successful that we can walk in the fullness that God called us to do, the better off all you guys are going to be. All of us will be. So um, now I'm going to change my focus and start closing this up, talking to Dennis and Angie. So if we could turn, if everybody could turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, especially you, Dennis and Angie. So this is Acts chapter 20, verse 28. This is what Paul says to the elders in this area. It says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Dennis and Angie, you guys are going to be getting into the, one of the most amazing uh, Seasons of your life being active elders in a local church. That is the front lines of the battle for Jesus Christ redeeming the world. Eldership in a local church. That's where the fight happens. It spreads out from there. I, I totally believe it. And this one passage, this one verse says it so clearly. It says, take heed to yourselves and like, make sure you're seeing how important this is. How, how changing, how much of your life's going to change from this. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Again, we're agreeing with God. We're confirming what God wants to do. But it's the Holy Ghost that's making them elders. It's the Holy Ghost that's making them shepherds over all of us here. He says, um, to shepherd the church of God, and this is how important you guys are, God wants great elders uh, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That, that's as big and as important, I think, that you can find anything in the scriptures. The body of Christ, the church of God, the New Testament church, which was bought for by the blood of Jesus Christ, is important to God. It's his highest priority. And so us as elders, we got to take heed to ourselves. We have to go hold it. I'm taking on this huge challenge. I'm taking on this huge opportunity, this privilege. But this is going to be a big deal. And I want to do my absolute best because this is the church of God, which he bought with his son's blood. It's a big deal. You guys are a big deal. Um, elders are a big deal because God says, we are the right people for this job for you guys. And it's like he gives us as a gift to you guys the whole time saying, but you better pay attention and do it right. So it's like, yes, absolutely, yes, Lord. So uh, Dennis and Angie, I believe God's been planning this next Sunday your whole lives. Everything that you've gone through, everything you've experienced, every way that you've served him in all the different ways has led to this season in your lives. You guys are a big deal, and this is a big deal. Um, Jesus said in Matthew nine twenty nine. According to your faith, let it be to you. And blind eyes were open. 
In Mark 10, 52, he told another person, go your way, your faith has made you well. To the woman with the issue of blood, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And so I'm saying this to all of us, I'm saying this to you too, I'm saying this to all of us. This, what happens in our eldership, what happens for this couple, what happens in our church going forward is according to our faith. What are we believing for? I'm, I'd never and I still not believe for a megachurch. That's not anywhere on my agenda. It never will be. What, what my greatest desire is that I believe God's called me to do is have an equipping church that equips disciples to have a church that's healthy because we're being discipled and discipling. We're sharing the gospel in our lives. And then when this gets to about two or 300, we plant one out. So we have tiny little neighborhood churches like this that know our neighbors, that walk around in the neighborhood, that do stuff with our neighbors, but we keep taking land. We keep taking land to redeem this back to God. It's God's anyways. The devil's just been lying for a while. So according to our faith, what, what do we want to believe for? Dennis and Angie, I want to encourage you to believe God for great things as you walk out your calling as elders. You guys are great people. You're some of my best friends. I expect to see great things. And... Not only does the conflict and the, the troubles increase, but the anointing increases. Um, the presence of God increases. The wisdom and direction from God increases. The depth of the Bible as you're reading increases. So, yeah, there are some challenges, but there's huge benefits too. Your relationship with God will absolutely grow. And the devil will do the best he can to stop it. <laughs> and he's a defeated enemy. So your relationship with God will grow. Um. Yeah, put your faith in Jesus and in his word. Because one thing I know for sure, people will act peopley. <laughs> and when we, pointing at me, when we act peopley, sometimes we hurt other people. So people are going to act peopley, but Jesus Christ is Lord. You keep your eyes focused on him and on his word, man, you're going to see great things. You're being called and appointed to the office of eldership by us, but... You are being made overseers here by the Holy Ghost to shepherd God's people whom he purchased with his own son's blood. So I know I've covered a lot today, but I encourage you guys to think about some of these things. And I'm just going to underline a couple things. Please pray and fast this week for the, the foundation of eldership in our church and especially for this couple coming into it. Um, start, start making a time somewhere in the week where you can just pray for the eldership. Number one thing for the eldership to always be in unity. Number two is in that unity, we hear God clearly. Amen? So next Sunday is a big deal. If you want, invite your friends, invite your enemies, invite your coworkers, invite your ex, your current, whatever you want to do. But it's a big deal. Elders getting set in is a big deal in the local church. Uh, I don't know how many more times this will happen in our church. Probably not many more times in my lifetime. Even if we're a big church, what, maybe two, three, four more elders ever? Even if we fill this place up to 3, 350 before we plan out. It, it's a very rare thing. It's a very important thing. It's an eternal thing. God had this set up in their lives since they were born. He was going to put them in this Sunday right here on holy ground. So let's all be part of it. Let's pray for God, for his blessing, his unity, his direction in our lives. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for your word. Your word is always supreme in our lives. Uh, we don't try to make choices because we like them, because we think they're a clever idea or other people might like them. Father, always help us to make our choices 
from the eldership all the way down. Help each one of us to make our life choices according to your word. And Lord, I pray for this week. Holy Spirit, would you please nudge us and remind us uh, to, to pray for Dennis and Angie, to remind us to pray for all three couples, to, to pray for this whole church, to pray for our foundation, to be rock solid in unity, and that our direction would be clearly spoken by the Holy Spirit to our leadership and to us as a body. Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness to us all the time. Father, there are challenges in our life. We've heard it a couple different ways today. But you far outweigh any challenges. You far outweigh any kind of pressures or disappointments that come along. You are awesome. And just like all those years ago, Lord, I say it today, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I would still pick you as my Lord and Savior like I did way, way back then. Father, would you please bless your congregation? Would you please bless them with your presence and with your direction? And Lord, I pray once again that you would make us living sacrifices set on fire with our love for you. Bless them into your purpose for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.